My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Mmm, ooh, guys, you have great questions. Again, who in the hell writes these questions? I know you do, but my God, these are great. Um, wow. Uh, I thought this was going to be an easy question. Usually you get to the last question. It's like, just take it home. Um, that is a really good question. So when you start making decisions that are based around money, it's not as beneficial as you first think. For example, doing something for money, especially when you're trying to blend it with what you want to do, isn't the quickest or the easiest way of doing it. And actually, some of the most successful people I know had a passion and worked for that passion and the money found them. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tiny Giants, the creator economy show that's about careers over celebrity. I am your host, T. Adeola, your favorite former 400 pounder getting you fit on all things creator economy. So you just heard from today's guest, Mr. Ben Collins, and he's a director. Now, for those who don't know, on any given media set or any given media production, the most powerful person on set is the director. I know we tend to focus on the talent like Denzel Washington or Will Smith or whatever A-line celebrity you have on set in front of the camera. But a previous guest on the show, Miss Liberty White, has a saying which rings so true that everybody wants to be in front of the camera, but the power is behind the camera. And Ben Collins is one of the people who occupies those seats because he's a director. So. Ben Collins started his career as a video director for advertising agencies and brands. Now he's founded five businesses in the marketing, creative and tech industries. He loves to talk about entrepreneurship, marketing and the gym a little bit, which I can definitely align with. Next, my conversation with tiny giant Ben Collins. Ben, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Thank you for having me, sir. So you have had quite the storied professional career, but no one starts out on top. So if you would take us on that origin story, take us on that journey of how you chose your niche or maybe how your niche chose you. Okay. I think if I was to go back to school, I wasn't the most academic or at least I wasn't the most applied student. So when it came to the end of school, I had a bit of a choice and the choice was to either become a lawyer because I thought I was good at arguing with people or uh, to become a filmmaker because I had watched, um, I'd watched Taxi Driver when I was 16 and it sort of blew me away. It was a totally different, I just never seen anything like it before. And then I saw Alien and I thought I'm a creative person. I think I'd like to go 
into film. So, um, so then I went to uh, university uh, over in the UK and, and studied film and sort of cut my teeth. Well, really, I'd say I cut. My, I then went to Cape Town, South Africa. I lived there for about three years and I studied there. And as I worked over there, or I studied over there, I managed to get work on television. So um, I started out as a runner and then a camera guy and an editor. Um, and then I, be- I became a director and I was sort of directing, frankly, some of the worst television you've ever seen. But uh, I was doing it. <laughs> I was doing it at a pretty young age. And I thought this is this is absolutely what I what I wanted to do. So um, so then I came back to the UK and uh, I sort of came back because I'd, I'd sort of done some nice big things in South Africa. I came back to the UK thinking I'd be embraced with open arms as a, a sort of a hero, a creative hero coming back. Uh, to his homeland to be showered with work, and it couldn't have been further from the truth. I uh, I went round London for about three months every day with my showreel, and I, I'm showing my age here. T. It was on a DVD, so I'd go around with a physical DVD round to film production houses, agencies, and most of the time I wouldn't even be allowed in the door. So in the end, I, I did manage to find some work for a year, but in the end, I thought, well, if no one's going to give me the, the jobs and the projects that I want, I'm going to go find them myself. So I, I think I was 23 and I, I set up a film production company then. Um, so I'd left my job and then the next day, we just found myself, literally, I just, I left it and, you know, there was no, um, there was no period that I had to sort of run. It was, I was in my bedroom the next day, incredibly excited with not a penny on me. Um, thinking that I was going to uh, become the biggest film production agency in the world. And that's when my entrepreneurial career started, really, T. I love it. I love it. And a way to grab the bull by the horns. That, <laughs> that is a very risky endeavor. But it, I, I would dare to say it has paid off all these years later. Yeah. So one of the benefits of being a giant is that you have a bird's eye view, right? You you can see for miles over the horizon and you've, you know, earned your space 20, 30 stories up in the corner penthouse or whatever analogy you like best. <laughs> so from your perspective mm-hmm. and based on your experience, are there any giant non-obvious traps that you will call out for someone just entering the space? Or maybe even if you were talking to your younger self, and I'll go first just as an example. So I'm a professional digital marketer. And back when I cut my teeth way back in, I remember DVDs too, um, (laughs) way back in 2002, when I graduated from high school, I just went on to Google and I typed in how to make money. How do you make money online? <laughs> and I got presented with, frankly, a lot of garbage, a lot of BS. And I picked up a lot of bad habits that I was not aware of as I was picking them up. And so it took a very long time to unlearn a lot of that stuff. And that's what I call out to people is just because the information is online and just because it's on Google does not mean that it's, you know, vetted or or good quality stuff. Not not all information is good, right? So that's the kind of giant non-obvious trap in my space, but in your space, based on your experience, based on your expertise, are there any giant non-obvious traps that you would call out? I mean, T, I could go on for about three hours with no, giant non-obvious traps, but I'll start with one inspired by what you just said. And it's taken me a long time to, to come to terms with this. I, you know, like I said, quite similar to you, I very much, I had creativity. I wanted to be a filmmaker, but when I started the film production business, my world was very much focused about making money. 
And it was, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, but I, I was very focused on making money. And I think it's interesting that you said that because I think that is a giant obvious trap in that when you start making decisions that are based around money, it's not as beneficial as you first think. For example, we would take on jobs um, that were underpaying what they should have done because we were desperate for money and we thought that job might lead to another one, et cetera, et cetera. There have been examples where that happens, but at my ripe old age now, I've sort of realized that actually doing something for money, especially when you're trying to blend it with what you want to do, isn't the quickest or the easiest way of doing it. And actually, some of the most successful people I know had a passion and worked for that passion and the money found them. And that seems to happen more often than not. So I've sort of found that and you know, I'm still learning that really, you know, as a, I've owned a business for nearly 18 years now. And it's still very difficult to try and work for passion and wait for the money to find you. But every day I keep on trying to do it. And I, I would say that is a big, giant, obvious trap right there. If you wanted one that related to my industry, I think a lot of people who start out in film or video production or really anything sort of creative, sort of the creative industries, I think there's a lot of romance and, you know, I know that you talk often about a new generation um, who want to be YouTubers and influencers. And there's, you know, that for me is a, a new age romance, I suppose. This might not be an obvious or a non-obvious trap, but you very quickly find that like any business, creative businesses are a business. And to be able to not only survive, but thrive in those businesses, it's not simply, you know, my creative um my creative eye, my art will, will help me see through, you know, that is one string to uh, your bow that you've got to, you've got to play properly, but also there's loads of other business things, business marketing, you know, loads of other different things you've got to combine to actually be a success to market yourself so that people can see you. So I'd, I'd say that was another, another non-obvious trap, but I'll give you one more. I would say on the positive side, I think a lot of people get scared about starting a business because people especially when they've been in a in a paid job they think of starting a business as suddenly they go from being paid regularly having health benefits etc an office to work in that when you start a business you go from that to nothing in a day now that's actually what i did <laughs> but what i've now learned is that's not the case and it doesn't have to be the case and i think the it's the, the trap of people who want to start a business but don't feel that that's the case. Actually, I found that if you work hard enough, you can start your passion in your spare time. And, you know, it does take a lot of hard work. But really, starting a business is you can grow a business on the side until you get to a point where it can sustain you. And then the step off from a paid job to your passion that could pay you is a relatively small step. So I would say, and I say this to everyone, I hear lots of people who want to start their own business but are scared. Be scared of the hard work. But apart from that, you know, there's it's absolutely doable. And there's a lot of things you think you need that you don't. I love it. The creative business is still a business. That, that is the crux. I love how you phrase that. I'm actually going to steal that. I'm going to give you credit twice and it's mine <laughs> because that, that sums up the, the whole crux and the whole ethos of why I'm doing this podcast and who I'm doing it for. Because as you stated so eloquently and so beautifully, people get romanced by the idea, especially younger people, mm -hmm. and their stats to prove that, which is why I started the show, that you know I'm going to be the next Mr. 
Mr. Beast. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, insert influencer here. And they don't understand that, like, yo, Mr. Beast is very methodical. He's very methodical. He's very strategic. Incredibly. And there's a reason he grew to the level that he grew. And so if you don't have a understanding of that side of it and you just get into it with these rose colored glasses because you think it's because you're to your point, it's romantic and you're like, yeah, I want to do that. Then, then it might be a rude awakening. So, yeah, well, Mr. Beast, he studied, he studied, um, didn't he study YouTube videos for two years? Just literally sat in a room and studied YouTube videos and mm-hmm. analyzed them, the thumbnails he would use, the time, you know, the sort of the, 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 the length of them, the sort of the visuals they would use. So he was incredibly analytical. And, and actually, I find with a lot of the celebrities or people that we work with in the film industry, when you actually meet them, you, you do every single time, even now, you actually get taken back with just how applied they are you know they haven't got to that place by luck you know when you actually speak to them it's a very formulated and applied method they've used to get there it's just what the, what you see is the um is the front of shop it's the performance but actually they're incredibly dedicated people and and i think one of the things is they're incredibly focused on what they want to do you know they have a, a very focused goal 100 percent this has been a riveting conversation, with Tiny <laughs> Giant. So we're going to take a short break. Then when we get back, we're going to continue our conversation with Tiny Giant, Ben Collins. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. And we're back. So another benefit of being a giant is that you get to throw your weight around, you get to <laughs> knock down trees and move mountains. So based on your purview and where you are now in your businesses and in your career, mm. how are you using your status to reshape the landscape? Interesting. Okay. So after a few years, yeah, I've, we've finally got to a point where, yeah, I can throw my weight around and I love it too. It's great. It takes takes a few years. How we're looking to sort of reshape the landscape now is actually using social social media content. So, I run a, a marketing agency, and we've been we asked get asked to do social media content for a lot of different brands and organisations. And what you find is that the model that we run, you know, your classic film production or or marketing agency model, to create social content takes a huge amount of people and cost. You know, when we do it for people, we have script writers, we have camera guys musicians we have social media managers um, and you find that actually brands to be able to create content or anything creative on instagram or tiktok it's it's quite hard to do so um, we are in the process we've just built the first version of our platform where we're creating a social content platform 
um, a sort of a tech platform to be able to shake up the content creation business and, and social media content a bit. We essentially bring big brands together with um, with content creators. Why I love this concept so much, you know, it's, it's a, obviously from a business point of view, it's great. But it sort of takes me back to that time when I came back from South Africa to London and I thought I would get lots of work. And I didn't, you know, there were loads of closed doors. It was really hard for a young filmmaker like myself to work with brands that I wanted to work with. And I think what we're trying to do with this app is mix it up a bit by allowing anybody with a phone to be able to work with brands and use their creativity to get paid properly. So I'm really excited about that. I love it. That That's very much in keeping with the spirit of this podcast, as well as the books that I've written and pretty much anything that I create. It's always from the perspective of what I wish I would have known or had 10. And I cannot believe I'm old enough to say this 20 years ago <laughs> when I just started and I didn't have that growing up I, I, or coming up. I didn't have that available. So everything that I make is from that perspective, what I wish I would have had or known 10 years ago. And it sounds like you're doing very much the same thing. I think that's a great perspective too. I think, honestly, I think um, to, to come from that point where, you know, teaching people what you would have known 20 years ago, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. I'm in exactly the same boat. I wish I'd known or been taught some of the things I you know, know now 20 years ago. So um, I totally understand where you're coming from. 100%. So Ben, I want to get a parental perspective from you. And this is irrespective of if you have children or not, because there's an old African proverb that it takes a village to raise a child. So if you're poor into a young person, you mentor someone, or even if you have a younger person in your life you care about, then guess what? You're part of that village. So sort of the foundational stats that this podcast is founded on is that Lego and Harris Poll did a study and found that three times as many kids wanted to be YouTubers than astronauts. And then follow that up with a global study. This is worldwide, a global study from Adobe that found that 49%, almost a full 50% of Gen Z intend to pursue content creation as a career. And so I have three children. I have a 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old. And when I see things like that, and I hear all the buzz around the creator economy, something that jumps out on me is this little thing called the law of large numbers, right? So the, the more it, people enter the space, the more crowded it becomes, and the harder it's going to be to break through that noise and rise to the top, and more folks are going to fall by the wayside. And the answer to oversaturation is niching or niching if you're fancy, right? So that's the point of this podcast is to find people and highlight them of how they found their niches and how they go about thinking through that. So based on you know those stats, as well as your experience, how would you talk to a young person who is in that 49% who wants to pursue content creation as a career? Or conversely, how would you counsel me, their daddy, on how to guide them on that pursuit. Okay, big question that. I, firstly, I want to say you do not look old enough to have a 13-year-old too. That's extraordinary. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. very kind of you to say. I wish I felt that way. My knees. <laughs> I appreciate I'll take it. So interesting going back to those stats because I'm not sure it's quite balanced because the difference between an astronaut and a content creator is an astronaut, I suppose, has their niche already. You know, they have an interest in space 
or astrology. Whereas a content creator for me is still quite a broad job. In fact, you know, where I come from, content could be anything. I assume what they're talking about is video content online, creating blog posts, video posts, stuff like that, or even what I do. So I would start with, I think you're totally right. I think the niche thing, and that's, again, that's something that's taken me a long time to learn. And one of the the pitfalls, and maybe I should have put this in the uh, in the first section, but um, thinking that you can, with your skills, do anything for anyone is a big fallacy. It's a big problem. So finding your your niche, I am posh, so I will use niche, <laughs> is is absolutely where people should go. But you know, a, a content creator could be it's still so broad. So I suppose my first piece of advice would be is to decide on what content you want. I think probably the people saying they want to be content creators are are coming at it from the wrong angle. I think the angles should be, what are your passions? What do you want to talk about? You know, what is it that you enjoy doing? And then finding a content channel to be able to share that. And I think that's something that's obviously changed from when I first got in the industry, that sharing and being open to what you're doing so that people can follow your journey is really important. But the but the key to it is what are you sharing? What's the context of what you want to do? So I suppose my first piece of advice would be to, again, follow your passions. Find something that you're good at because I was reading Atomic Habits by James Clear recently. And there's a chapter in there that talks about although you're told you can do anything, which is true, there are biological differences. He talks about Phelps versus Kipchoge or, you know, a sort of a long distance runner versus a swimmer. And, you know, however much uh, Michael Phelps wants to be a long distance runner, his body's not made for it. That's just one example. But I think ultimately you can be anything you want to be, but within the um, within the constraints of, say, your physical, your, your, what you do physically. So if I wanted to be a passionate 100 meter sprinter and try and do the Olympics, I would say I'm probably unlikely to go t- to get there. But if I wanted to say report on sprinting or I wanted to take it into sports science on how to enable other people to become good sprinters, you know, that would be my passion enabled through a context like that. And then I could decide to share that in a video form or that would be the content. So I suppose, like you say, the niche is important, but again, prioritizing what you are good at and what your passion is, and then you'll find that actually the content comes to you because also being a content creator and an influencer takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication, you know, especially at the moment, you know, you have to be posting daily for that. And unless you're passionate about it, that's going to be a real, it's going to be a real tough gig to be able to do that all the time. So I suppose that's my first piece of advice. How many pieces of advice can I give to you? I feel like I'm rambling a bit. As many as you like, the stage is yours. <laughs> the second one, I think, is, like I said before, there's lots of different things that go that goes into success. You know, you have a passion, you have um, a channel to be able, you've chosen a particular channel to do it. But again, there's, you know, you could be the greatest influencer, the greatest content creator in the world. If nobody picks up on it, nobody finds it, then you're not going to go anywhere. So one thing that I would tell my children and I would tell anybody starting a business is the importance of social capital. It's actually meeting people, going out there, whether that be online or whether it be in face-to-face. I found that my career has really, there was a period, especially over the pandemic, where I, by the way, I loved the first year of the pandemic. So it allowed me to sit in my laptop and get loads of work done from six in the morning to eight in the evening. And in the end, I found actually it wasn't nearly as powerful as actually talking to other people, going out there. You know, I went to an event this week for Web3 founders and the people I met were incredible. It was so inspirational. And you just pick up on things. You know, I, I, I had a couple of people want to talk to me about some metaverse stuff that we're doing. And you actually find that social capital, you know, meeting people and talking to people is incredibly powerful and can direct your career more than anything else. 
So I think that's something to really be pressed on, you know, to, to be able to get the word out there, meet people. And also, you know, don't see it as um, when I first started my business, I always thought networking is such a bore. You know, I'd go to these events. I didn't know anyone. I'd have to go try and find business there. As soon as I just opened myself up to just going and enjoying myself and not having the pressure of finding business or trying to improve my career or my um, my bank balance, you actually, again, you get, again, you find those opportunities coming to you because you're more open. You're not expecting anything. So it's quite similar to, to what we were talking about earlier, really. You are talking my language <laughs> and I dig it because a lot of people don't believe me when I say this, but I'm actually quite shy. I'm introverted by nature and I had social anxiety really bad. Like I, I did not like being in groups of people. I got very easily intimidated by crowds, not scared like a punk. Like I thought something was going to happen to me because I'm, I'm a rather large man, but it, it, it just wasn't my cup of tea. Mm. Um, and networking used to be a real challenge for me, but of course I managed to um, come through that with a, you know, not a small amount of counseling and therapy, which I, which I highly recommend to anyone who struggles with anxiety. But yeah, getting out there in front of people and just like you said, letting go of those expectations yeah. and just talking and just getting out there and sharing and giving and contributing. Um, and I found that I really liked it. And to my surprise, I was I actually kind of had a knack for it, mm. which is how we found ourselves together talking right now <laughs> yeah. networking because to be clear we don't know each other like this this is the first time we're having a conversation first time we've met and it's a fantastic one so everything he said is true folks do it it's so, about having fun yeah. right it's about it's about having fun i think 100 percent, 100 and, and the energy is infectious it's yeah. contagious you, you can just tell sometimes i don't even talk about business sometimes i go to these networking events and I, yeah i'm very good at talking about myself t so i just <laughs> i bore people about myself and and you know usually you find it sort of comes around very naturally to to, to where things sort of dovetail and things don't so 100%, 100%. So Ben, this has been tremendous. Nothing left to do but roll out the red carpet. Please give everyone your socials. Tell us about any giant projects you have coming up. The floor is yours. Thank you, T. So um, you can find me, well, LinkedIn. I'm big on LinkedIn this year, T. So if you want to find me on LinkedIn, Ben Collins, I'll be the one. Well, I've got a big pink background, my favorite color. Find me on Twitter at uh, Twinkle Toes Ben. My agency is True Group, truegroup.agency. So come check out some stuff we're doing there. And uh, look out for uh, the social content uh, creation platform that we're building called UGen. That's going to be released very soon. And that's really exciting. So, UGen, be on the lookout for it. I dig it. Ben, thanks so much for your time. T, thank you very much, sir. That was great. Tiny Giants is an audio companion to and the first chapter of my first book, Beyond Buzzwords. Social media, mobile and other marketing buzzwords ain't the half of it. Available on Amazon. If you enjoyed this podcast, chances are good you'll like the book, too. I'm proud to say that while the book has aged, it's not dated. Sure, some examples could be freshened up, but strategically, it's as rock solid as the day it was written. Not every author can say that. I encourage you to pick it up and leave me a rating and review. It really helps. I have like one rating on that book from my mom because she loves me. And I'm positive that you'll love it too. Head on over to tinygiants.tech for more episodes and whatever else I have going on. 
While you're there, leave me a voicemail with your question, comment, or feedback for improvement. I may play that voice recording on a future episode as I answer your question or address your concern. If you, your company, or school needs help with college, career, and creator readiness strategy, or to book me to speak, drop me a line at t at tinygiants.tech. If you or someone you know is doing big things in small or not so small niches, or as we like to call them, tiny giants, and they will make a great guest for the show, email me at t at tinygiants.tech. Thanks for listening. And remember, you get big by going small, but to prioritize career over celebrity. But no matter what you choose, know that I'm rooting for you. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.